Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart, Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and I find other women and men who do the same is my favorite thing to do. Their stories are inspiring. They help us all understand how we can succeed in work and in our lives. These amazing conversations gave me the stories and wisdom for my earlier book, Leading Women. Uh, and they also inspired me with my newest book, which came out early in 2019. In this together, how successful women support each other in work and life. This week, I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Grace Lee. Dr. Grace Lee is a career educator, quantum leap accelerator, and strategic reinventionist on a mission to end the separation between work and fulfillment. She has begun a mass movement, which she calls Career Revisionist, a term she created to identify empowered people resolved to feel inspired by what they do. Dr. Grace helps professionals reinvent their careers through coaching and programs rooted in neuroscience and business development principles, all with the goal of helping clients discover their purpose, decide on their career direction, and build their dream career. She hosts the Career Revisionist podcast and is the founder of Mastery Insights. She has also spoken internationally to work cultures in Asia and North America and has been published in over a dozen medical journals that feature her unique discoveries to the field of neuroscience. So I'm very, very pleased to welcome Dr. Grace Lee to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Welcome, Dr. Grace. Well, would you prefer I call you Grace, Dr. Grace, or just what would you prefer I call you? We're just meeting for the first time, which I'm excited about, but how would you like to be regarded as? Oh, um, you, you can call me Grace. Okay. I will be Nancy. You will be Grace, okay? And we'll leave the doctor on the, on yeah. the, side, of the uh, side of the step there, okay? Well, good afternoon. Welcome. Thank you so much for being with me. I have been going to your website, reading all about you. And, you know, I've been doing these uh, conversations for over 10 years. Now, actually, it's going on about almost 12 years. And one of the things that I find most important when I talk to someone, and it is a conversation, is I find out about them and their personal story, because especially men and women look at each other and really believe someone's better off than they are, they've had better luck than they've had, they've had better parents or education or whatever it might be, but somehow we we tend to get this impression of other people, especially if they're successful, especially if they're attractive like yourself, and so well and in you know, and so well educated that sometimes we don't really look deep enough to really see that that individual has had quite the journey. So tell us about your personal story because, uh, Grace, I, I believe it's truly uh, one that I think is, is a, it opens up so many great conversations with so many people, I'm sure. It has, and I wasn't always comfortable with sharing it because I was afraid of people who would hear it, and I was quite ashamed of what happened to me, the things that happened to me in my childhood. Right. So it was really it was difficult to share. And I would just share bits and pieces of it. And I would leave out the most traumatic bits, you know, because I wanted to paint the picture that I came from a well to do background, you know, that that things were happy. (laughs) Right. So this was the picture I painted for a long time before I realized there's such a power in story. Right. Absolutely. And 
Yeah. So really, it really my the 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 impact of the story began when I was eight years old, and what happened was my my nuclear family. So this is my biological parents, and I have an older brother as well, and, and myself. We were in a car accident, and it was a head-on collision at high speeds. My mother was driving, and she was in a coma, and we were all injured in that car accident. So I was the second most injured, and for me, it was a high cervical dislocation. I was so close to becoming a quadriplegic, and I didn't find out until months later that my mom had actually passed away. But oh, she wow. was in a coma for a couple Cause of you days. Because you, we you were recovering in another hospital room, correct? In a separate hospital altogether. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we weren't, yeah. we weren't in the same building. I was in the children's hospital, and she was in a, a regular hospital, and it was separated by a different building. So I, hadn't, I didn't see her, and uh-huh. I was not informed of her condition. Oh, wow. Right. And so it, it was a few months later that, you know, one of the nurses told me that she had passed away. And it wasn't until I was an adult when I found her grave and I realized it was that she had passed actually very soon, a co- only a couple of days after the accident. Right. And I, so it was, a, it was very shocking to me. The loss of my mother changed my life because before, you know, I had zero to eight years old with her and she was my best friend. She was my cheerleader, sure. she was my provider. My yeah. mother, everything to me. She was my world. You know, my father was was physically present at the time, but I didn't have a relationship with him. So it was everything was about my mother. And so when I lost her, that was when I had to begin to get to know my father, and to have the very first conversations with him in the hospital after after my injury. And it didn't go too well, you know, because. There'd been eight years where I didn't know who this person was, although I knew I had to call him my father, but I didn't know why, and there wasn't a relationship. So then fast forward a year later, my recovery was about a year long, just to learn to walk again and to regain feelings in my limbs and, and functionality. It was a really long and painful recovery at that. And so I was fully recovered. Amazing. It was a miracle how close I was to becoming a quadriplegic. And my father, he remarried. And he started a new family with uh, with with that person, and he decided that he didn't want to continue the relationship with me. And he had told me he came into my bedroom and he told me that his hands were full and he had uh, um, a couple of young kids, and I needed to make arrangements, alternate arrangements, for someone to take care of me because it was too much for him to handle, and it was and he and his hands were tied. And therefore, in that moment, I was 10 years old, and that's what began my years of aloneness and just not having a place to call home. And I, be, and I was on my own, and it was the darkest years of my life, really. And it was like this for four years until I was 14. I started working in a restaurant when I was 11 to just to have some you know, food and, and some sort of purpose in my life. And... There was a couple when I was 14 who came to eat at this restaurant, and they were very astute. They observed that I had these needs of a place to stay. And essentially, they just looked at me and invited me over to their house. That's how it went. That's a great story. So I followed yeah. them home. They settled their bill. <laughs> yeah, they settled the bill, and I literally just followed them That's a good sign. Home. That's a good sign. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> right. And so I, of course, you know, 14 and 
the abandonment that I felt from my my relatives and my and my father, I didn't trust them. You know, I was desperate though, so I needed a place yeah. to stay, and I went with them. But I didn't trust them. I didn't want to develop any relationship with them. I kept them at an arm's length, and uh-huh. this went on for two years. You know, they were patient with me. They invited me in to their place. They took me up to their bedroom on the top floor, and they basically turned to me and said, "Grace, treat this as your house now, and you wow. can stay here for as long as you need." Wow! I never met them before. They were strangers. Earth, Earth Angel strangers. showed up for you, didn't and they? I, they really did. They really did. Yeah, and 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 two years I didn't trust them until one morning I was 16, and my my adoptive father. I, I mean, I call them my parents now, but at the time I didn't. Yeah. But he was in the backyard, and I heard his voice through my bedroom window talking to one of, one of the neighbors, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I heard him. It wasn't just about hearing his voice, but I actually heard him, and in that moment was when I realized that they are sincere and they meant yeah. what they said. And they're right. the real deal, right? And when you when you feel it, I know tears of gratitude started to wow. roll down my face. And that was when I started to open up to them and develop a relationship with them. So it was right. like in that moment, I was 16. I could finally let go of that survival mentality that I had, you know, sure. the fight or flight response. I finally let it go. Mm-hmm. And I could finally focus on other things. So I gave myself wow. permission that I want to have a better life. You know, because yeah. before that, I, I checked out. I completely gave up on life. I felt hopeless and that I felt so unwanted and unloved. So wow. when that happened, I finally saw the love and the unconditional acceptance from my adoptive parents. That was when yeah. I decided I want a life. I want to work towards something. I want to have goals and dreams. And that's what wow. began. I needed to be resourceful, you know, because the only thing I knew was go to school, get good grades, get a good job. <laughs> And, right. and you, what and else you did, did I know all, how to do? And you Let's... did all those things and more. Just, just to ask you this question now, because again, you know, your education, your career—I mean, you've been successful in every step since coming to uh, spend this time with your uh, your parents. And where are they in your life now? My parents and I are closer than ever. You know, Good. just because I only spent a few years of life with them. It was in the high school years that they took me in. So I didn't grow up with them, but they yeah. did adopt me. Yeah. Right? And, right. and they gave me a second chance. Yeah, it was a second chance. Well, I can't imagine that they're probably more proud than you can possibly know. But, well, we're going to fast forward a little bit because you did succeed. You did ed- get educated and you did receive a PhD in neuroscience. Um, my specialty is was also my emphasis was on neuro neuropsych. So I have a little bit of background in neuro neuropsychological testing and so forth. But again, neuroscience and then what you're doing as far as this term, tell me again the term you use, career reinventionist. How say that for me. Yeah, career revisionist. Revisionist. Okay, very Re, good. Yeah, it's but but how did you come to understand that the neuroscience would be so important as far as understanding career development, career reinvention for individuals. Well, I guess it really started with you, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. So here's what happened. You know, during my PhD, all along, I was just coasting. You know, because yeah. I was pre-programmed to believe that if I wanted sure. a career, I have to go to school, get good grades, get a good job. 
But the right. education system teaches you all about the subject, but they don't teach you what to do with the knowledge, how to package it, how to make yeah. money, and how to yeah. make important life decisions. Right. And so I saw this huge gap in the education system, right? People yeah. highly skilled, highly educated, and they didn't know what they wanted to do with it. Yeah. They didn't know which direction they wanted to do. They were confused and lost. And I was feeling all of those things. Yeah. Right? And so my, my, I set out on this mission. My, I have right? a side E, which is theory and practice. And I absolutely understand until you learn how to use something and learn to make it a practical usage of that knowledge, it really is worthless. It's worthless. So basically, you yeah. then learned what to do with all this. Exactly. Learning how to do all of it. And I, you know what? I believe that everything we have in our careers right now and yeah. also the things that we don't have are, are a result of the decisions we've made. Sure. Right? And, making, and decision-making, there's a neural basis behind decision-making. The way we make decisions, the emotional drivers, the way we justify with logic, all of these are decisions. And so when I coach and when I teach on career education or education vocational development, it's all around brain-based coaching to better understand why we do the things that we do so that we can change the way we do things in ways that align with who we are. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, they say that, you know, and I've heard this, and I don't know if the statistics have changed, it said the average person, probably not even the average person, uses less than 11% of their brain power. You know, the potential for their development of their potential and their brain power, 11%, and probably less for many people, so that many people don't even come close to meeting their potential. They don't come close to the talents and the abilities and the power that that we each have is so seldom used or seldom used in a way that's useful to themselves and to others. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is what we're taught in school. You know, we're taught what to do. We're taught what we should do, all these shoulds, oughts, and haves to, that it, there's a lot to be had in terms of thinking for oneself, critical right. thinking, critical analysis, and the freedom to explore what's mm-hmm. true and what's not true in your life and in the universe. And to have the confidence and, and have that self-esteem to, to make decisions based on information and knowledge, but to have the, the confidence to make decisions and to, and to move forward in our lives independently. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate because we kind of see our potential as a pie, right? That it's a zero-sum uh-huh. game. If we learn something, that means we have less space to learn new things, yeah. <laughs> right? So then there's that limiting belief around how we really do function in our capabilities to learn and grow. You know, one of, one of the things, Grace, that I, I mean, I, I spend a lot, of time, a lot of time talking with people also. Uh, I'm a speaker. I have books and all that above, too, and, and I'm into women's leadership. But one of the things I hear often is that people don't really, I'd say over 50% of most people I talk to, do you, do you like your job? You, no, I really don't. You know, Or they can't wait. to. And they use this word, this word that I, just drives me crazy. I can't wait to retire. When people say that to me, my skin crawls. I mean, I literally, literally, I don't know. It just, it just, I can't believe that people are waiting to not do anything. It's not that they're saying they're going to do this or this or this. They just say, I can't wait to retire. Or they say, I, I am retired. And, and I just look at them blankly. And, and, you know, the conversation pretty much comes to an end at that point. I mean, I know you're working on career development, but how many people do you know that come to you that are truly, 
you're talking about careers. You're talking about development of careers. But how many people actually have careers versus jobs? I think that most people would find it difficult to be clear on what that distinction is. Right. Yeah, correct. The two feel interchangeable. Right. So without yeah. that distinction, I always believe that nothing ever becomes dynamic until it becomes clear. Right. Right. And well, so the distinction yeah. is what most people don't don't think about. Yeah. Well, when the people use use the word retire, sometimes I try to educate. I will use the the term reinvention, refire, redo. It's it's interesting to watch people's faces and I and I, I will ask this question. But you you were so successful and so much knowledge and talent that that is still there. What do you plan to do with that? You know, where are you going to go with that? Do you just stuff that away? Do you just put that away? You know, and I talk about the next chapter. What is the next chapter in your life? And a lot of people don't really think about it that way. That's right. There's a lot of emphasis on living in the present, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Right, living in for the moment, in the moment, to have that enjoyment and the joy that sometimes it's it's definitely a lot more work to think about the future and to plan for the future. And a lot of times it's actually quite difficult to look even a year ahead, never mind five years ahead. Right. Right. So I think it is. It, there's a huge education piece to be had there. But at the same time, it's still incomplete if you have education without the empowerment. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a lot to be had around understanding, you know, the responses, the neurological responses we innately have when we try to do these things, and what's exactly what's the truth to what's holding us back. Yeah. What What I like what you talk about, and I think is so very important, is people having that purpose. Mm-hmm. What their passion, their purpose is, is making it into their career. You know, one of the fastest growing trends in the United States are women-owned businesses, women entrepreneurs. Because these are women who have maybe been in another career, another lifetime, doing something else, but they're taking that, what they see as the issue and what they're passionate about, and they're turning it into their businesses, which, have, which of course, and they're, they're extremely successful because they're doing something they love doing. You know, and I think that's what, what you're talking about over and over again, is if we all really loved and we're passionate about what we do every day. We'd wake up feeling great. We'd be empowered. We'd feel energized. You know, and, I, and I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to let you let you jump in on this. But this is what Winston Churchill said, and I bought this in in uh, Oxford when I was there speaking about a month or so ago. And it says, "It's no use doing what you like. You have to like what you do." And I think that's absolutely mm-hmm. correct, don't you? It's no use doing what you like. You have to like what you do. You know, I love that. I love that distinction because people always talk about, oh, I'm going to turn my passion into my career and then run into problems when they find that I can't discover my passion. I don't know what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that quote because it frames something in an idea that it gets you thinking, but it's actually a lot more insightful than that. Because I, I believe that, what it's really telling you, the depths of what it's saying is that the only thing you have control of is your response to what's happening in your life, yeah. your response you to, to things it. that come along, sure. along your journey. And a choice exactly. how, you, how you feel about right. that. Mm-hmm. The, the beautiful thing about that is that we have a choice. We can choose how we react to it. And that in and of itself changes the whole playing field regardless of what's happening in the economy, the availability of jobs right. out there. If we're right. searching for jobs that, that, that need some sort of geographic dependence 
and we can't find anything, then yeah. we still get to choose how we want to feel about it, right? Yeah. It's an action word. Sure. Right? So feelings aren't passive. They can be definitely very active. Yeah. And so that's what I think that the quote is a lot deeper than going out there and searching for something that you like what you do. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why it's so important that we do listen to what we say and what we do, because it really does reflect on how we're really approaching our world in a positive or a negative way. And and there are people that truly are, they aren't successful. They are unhappy. They they don't feel fulfilled. And you and you know who they are. You know exactly who they are just be, just by the way they behave and just by what they're saying and doing. Okay, so the you're, the people that come to you, you you know, you're the career. I'm not. I'm going to say this wrong again. The reinventionist, and you are the person that they come to. You went to you went to mentors. You went to people to help you to define and define your passion and what you're doing today. So what is the average person, not these wouldn't even be average people, but what does a person look like or what do they do when they come to you? So let's talk about your business. I'm coming to you. You know, Grace, I just don't know what I want to do with myself. I, you know, I, I was doing this job, this job, this job, and I've tried this and nothing seems to satisfy me and I don't know what I want to do. So that that is 60 to 70% of the people who come to me, they yeah. have a similar type of situation. You know, mm-hmm. there's a degree of unfulfillment and confusion of what the next step is, right? And really, and I mentioned this earlier, nothing ever becomes dynamic until it becomes clear, right? Uh-huh. And so the clarity yeah. piece has to come first, and, sure. right? And it's not just about clarity on what do I like, you know, or a clarity on what am I passionate about? Because that's right. a little bit too short-sighted. Right. Of course, you have to have clarity on what lights you up on fire. But before yeah, you, you have clarity on that, yeah. break it down. Exactly. So it's more before clarity from uh, that comes about. It's about clarity on who you are as an individual. In other words, what are your highest values? The things that you value the most, because we will act in 100 percent accordance to what we value. Right? No matter what your background, your educational status, your years of experience, you know, humans Human psychology is that we're going to act always 100% of the time in accordance to our highest values. Right. And it's as simple as looking for the evidence of that, of what's true in your life. And so it's about going to the root of that, looking for that evidence, putting on the hat like a scientist, right? And trying to look for evidence of what is true in my life that gives me an indication, a, tr- a real indicator on what I've been valuing. Because there's, so, so because, for example, you know, I if I were to say, say to you, Grace, I haven't, uh, I really don't even know if I should tell you this, but I really, really like animals a lot. I really like animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I guess that's probably what, probably what happens in discovery when someone finally gets to the point where they go, you know what, of all the things we've been talking about, what I really, really like and, and really love are animals. I get, I got that too, like in terms of responses of that nature and responses of, well, here's one thing I like, and it's very tangible and it's very finite, right? Yeah. And it's great that that is identifiable because I could work with that to figure out what are the values behind why that liking to animals, how that came about, right? right. But of course, it's to be truthful around these interests that you have, whether it's animals or kids. 
these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that when you like something or you're passionate about it, that you need to turn it into a career. Because there's a difference between something that is a meaningful purpose that is turned into a career and a fulfilling one and passions and interests that you just simply want more of in your life, but not that you got to turn it into a career or a money-making activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know we all have to pay the bills, so we do have to find something mm-hmm. uh, that we can continue to pay the bills. Absolutely, from the practical side of it, but also because getting paid for the value you bring into the marketplace is one in four component, uh, an element of fulfillment. Four elements, yeah. and one of them is creating wealth. Right. Right. So it's not only a practical consideration, it's also important and in part and parcel of creating an inspired and fulfilling life. Sure. So what are the what are the main ingredients then? You said the four. What are the four main ingredients for me to define or dream well, you talk about dreaming, but what are the four things that are going to help me to to reach that uh, goal to determine my best career move? So they're, they're what I call the four elements to vocational confidence. Uh-huh. Right? And so okay. vocational confidence is, is a term that I, you know, a term that I created. And what it means is that you know that you can reinvent yourself and your career again and again, no sure. matter what's happening in the economy or everything sure. or circumstances around you. You know Absolutely. you can do it. And that's mm-hmm. vocational confidence. And so the four elements of that to achieve it, and these are in no prioritization order. They're just, they're all equally prioritized. And the first one is your highest values, right? Okay. The second one is the things that you're skilled at, uh-huh. right? Things you're skilled at. Mm-hmm. The third one is the ability to create wealth around it. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one is how it makes a meaningful contribution to the world, mm-hmm. right? So the I world like needs it. I like I like that. Right. So those I are the think, four elements. I like right. that a lot. If, if you think of them as a Venn, yeah, if you think of them as a Venn diagram, right? Yeah. If it's a Venn diagram, all four of these overlap. The circles overlap, and where all four overlap, then you have vocational confidence. Absolutely. Well, I know we could talk about this forever, mm-hmm. and I, unfortunately, we don't have forever. <laughs> but I think what we're really also talking about, which is so so very important is to for people to reach out, to find mentors, to find people to help them to seek out their passion, to seek out what's going to, to make a difference in the world. And it's just like Winston Churchill said, it's not use doing what you like, you have to like what you do. And I think I think that's what people have to first of all give themselves permission to do. And so many people, unfortunately, started out in a career that they, you know, they started out one place and then they ended up another place. And then sometimes they just feel like they're stuck, you know. So I think that's the other thing is that you can always reinvent. You can always move to another chapter. And it's it's a constant process. You know, Grace, I don't I don't think uh, what I'm doing today, I'll be doing again. And I mean, exactly what I'm doing in five years. I mean, you and I both know that we'll be recreating and creating new venues for ourselves just because my guess is you're that type of person that, you know, you just see that next step. And I, and I also like the fact that you're a spiritual warrior. And I think that's the other thing is that we have to really, really, sometimes we just have to go for it. We just have to go forward and go for it. And not everybody's going to like us. Not everybody's going to agree with us. But being a spiritual warrior, why not? 
Amen to that, you know, because your career is not just about affording the lifestyle that you want outside of work. Your career is the greatest form of expression of who you are and the impact you want to have in this world. So this is very much a spiritual journey. You know, yeah. because people don't have career problems, right? We talk about, oh, I have problems in my job, problems in my career. There's no such a thing as career problems. What there are is problems in your personal life, within your soul and in yourself that are, that exhibit themselves in your career. Yeah. Right? So yeah, this is absolutely. definitely a stand for having your inner world create that outer world, right? And having the faith that you are going to stand up and have a positive expectation for the things that are to come, but yeah. you're hoping for something you can't see. And at the same time, you are setting out to prove those things that you can't see. Grace, I say this sometimes just for the heck of it. And I said, you know, I'm a very lucky person. And they go, really? I said, yeah, I'm a very lucky person. I plan on getting luckier. And I, <laughs> and I truly believe we've got to plan on what we want. We've got to focus. We've got to attend. And why not? And why not? You know? Pat Mitchell wrote a book, and if you get a chance, take a look at it. But she talks about being a, being a dangerous woman. Dangerous women get things done. They're they're out there making the world a better place. And my guess is you probably could fit into that category, by the way, my dear. <laughs> a dangerous woman because you're not going to let things stop you. You're going to let you're going to keep doing what you're doing, which is making a difference in this world. And I want to congratulate you on this journey that you're that you've made and the one that you're continuing to make and to help others to find their voice, to find their passion, and to make the per- and find their purpose and make this a better world. And my guess is you're going to do a lot of that in your own time. So, congratulations. Thank you so much, Nancy. And the same same you know I have the same sentiments for you. And I want to thank you for the transformation you've given to so many people. And you have been doing this for a long time. So yes. I love the insightful <laughs> questions you've asked. <laughs> well, you're you're now part of the leading women group. That's what we aspire to that. But we also have leading men now. In This Together is my book. It's going to take all of us working together, men and women working together, to make this a better world. And, you know, I can see the faces of, of the people who helped me along the way. I see all their faces. I can mm-hmm. I see them in my mind's eye, but I also see those that did not. And we have to keep finding those people so we we not only continue to find a mentor, but we also be a mentor to someone as well. So I plan on doing that, and I know you're doing that each and every day. So we will stay in touch, and, and when something's coming up, please let us know so we can put it out there in the world to keep doing what we're doing. That's a wonderful initiative. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Well, thank you for what you do. We'll just keep doing it. How about that? <laughs> have a wonderful 2020. It's going to be a great year. In fact, 2020 is to be is to be the year that we've talked about doing things. 2020 is the time is the year we do it. I like that. It's so a new decade and a new year, so that's what makes it extra special. That's right. So let's just do it. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, and you too.